This is the Tribe of Millionaires podcast from Go Abundance. The tribe of healthy, wealthy, generous people who choose to live epic lives. Listen Tuesdays for featured guests and Fridays for Go Abundance member spotlights. But listen always to hear how our guests have grabbed life big. Now, here's your host, Jamie Gruber. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. Today, I'm really excited and intrigued by our guest. I mean, you talk about stories, which I love. This guy's got an amazing story. I'm going to read his bio, and then we're just going to go from there, because I'm sure you can tell where the questions are going to go just from here in this guy's bio. So Travis Ritchie is our guest. He's an entrepreneur, advisor, and motivational speaker. Having invested in over 25 startup companies the last 10 years, he knows a thing or two about success, and more importantly, failure on the road to success. He spent the first half of his career in the finance world, directing mergers and acquisitions globally for a hedge fund. And at 25, he directed a hedge fund with millions of dollars under management. Due to a regulatory oversight in the state of Arizona, he was charged with transactions of an unregistered securities dealer and sentenced to two years in Arizona Department of Corrections. The 17,000 plus hours became the framework of his new mission in life. Armed with an MBA in finance, PhD from the School of Hard Knocks, he founded Accomplished Ventures to provide incarcerated and returned citizens a second uh, chance at a successful life. Over the past decade, his programs have been used by hundreds of thousands of inmates and numerous departments of corrections to bring life skills, job training, and education to the justice-impacted community. Oh, my God, my friend. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Really an honor to be here. The community that you've created and your team has created is, is impeccable. So I'm, I'm honored to be here. No, the pleasure is completely mine. So, all right, let's go back to the beginning. I'm taking it from our discussion a little bit here. As you grew up, you weren't a guy that probably projected out as being a two-year incarcerated, uh, I guess, felon. I, I guess that's the, the phrasing for it. Yeah. So, yeah. So give me a little bit of your background, kind of bring us up to speed. We, we understand the professional success you've had. We're kind of at the at that point, but take us from the beginning. Like, how did you arrive at that point? If you don't mind just kind of sharing that story. No, absolutely. You're, you're, you're spot on. You know, I grew up uh, like most people our age did. You know, it wasn't a perfect household, but, you know, I wasn't getting in trouble as a youth, as a teen. You know, I grew up in the Boy Scouts of America, you know, and went and, and kind of did, you know, like general blue collar stuff. I grew up in Boston. And, you know, so summertime was spent opening fire hydrants and, you know, really just walking to school and, and figuring out life. It was a, it was a good upbringing. And so you're right. I didn't, I didn't go through the typical troubled teen syndrome, you know, anything more than, you know, the usual stuff that we do to get in trouble as teenagers in the eighties. But to your point, no, I, I, I didn't to this very day, you know, I've never done drugs or, or alcohol. I didn't go through a system or a series of, of lefts, if you will, left turns that would take me to this point that I could look back on. And so um, I, I went to school, uh, went and got my MBA and went to work on Wall Street. And as a result, had some pretty good success. You know, I come from a single mother household. And so I just thought if I outworked you, I could kind of figure it out along the way. So at the age of 25, I had registered with the Securities and Exchange Commission and had a fund on paper that was a $10 million fund. And everything was glory, you know, married to the woman of my dreams, 
you know, she was completing her education. You know, you're in your early 20s. You're doing all the quote unquote right things, you know, purchasing a home and getting education and all that fun stuff. So it was a, it was a very simple time. Fast forward, the state of Arizona has a law. Securities laws are very confusing. Securities laws, I, I, I often attribute securities laws to what's going on right now with um, marijuana. I can purchase it in this state, I can't take it to that state. I can buy it in this county, I can't take it to that county. The state and the federal government have opposing and conflicting views there, right? So for me, um, I thought I had done it all correctly. You know, I set it up properly, I made sure I had the right attorneys, but the state of Arizona doesn't recognize a federal exemption unbeknownst to me. And anything over a $99,000 threshold was a class four felony. I had $3 million of $99,000 transactions. And yes, uh, you got it right there. And so that put me on their radar real quickly. And uh, they indicted me of transactions of an unregistered securities dealer or salesman. Okay, I get it. Understood, yep. right? So there's this loophole, but it's not as if you, uh, it doesn't sound as if like you were doing anything nefarious with the money that you were doing anything that was out, out of bounds, if you will. Mm -hmm. And my mind goes to like, why did they throw the book at you? For, yeah. Well, and, and real quick, before we go there, can you just class four felony for those of us not familiar with that? Like, yeah. is that, that's, is it the higher the number? Is that the highest class of felony? Like, pardon my ignorance on that, but totally can you explain fine. that yeah. real quick. Yeah, so so like a, a one would be a really, really bad idea. Okay. Um, and so my four put me somewhere between two and five years per uh, offense. So why? Why did they why did they feel the need to incarcerate you versus a fine or probation yeah. or indict you and scare you? Like what we you know, why? Yeah. Very good question. And so I'll I'll walk you through that process. And so to, to get it even more confusing for you, put this in perspective. The day that I was indicted, they knocked on the door, my front door, and two gentlemen in suits, they handed me this, this thesaurus of, of, of regulations and, and, and legal jargon. I was so naive to the process. I looked at this thing and I said, this, this is just a simple misunderstanding. So I drove down to the attorney general's office, who was on that front page of that indictment, knocked on the door and said, hey, to his gal on the other side of the bulletproof glass should have been my red flag. <laughs> I said, hey, we should, we should just have a conversation. This doesn't, this doesn't seem right. And she said, no, you're not gonna talk to him. Uh, you should go get an attorney. So from that point forward, if you can imagine this, I sat down with the FBI and the SEC at Applebee's for a period of 10 months. They went through my books, they went through my bank accounts, they went through my bank statements, my wires, my transactions and gave me a written clean bill of health from the FBI on paper, signature, no misappropriation of funds, no fraud, no embezzlement, no wire fraud, no mail fraud, none of the sexy stuff that you are alluring to, right? Alluding to. It wasn't exciting. You know, I wasn't purchasing Ferraris and strippers and hookers and Art Basel in Miami, right? Yeah. <laughs> it just wasn't that cool. Um, I did not register. And what that simply means in layman's terms is the state didn't get their tax money. That's, That's the bottom line, right? So 
three years. If you can even imagine this no. from that point, it's just crazy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Three years later is when we get in front of a judge. We fought this for three years. So now we're talking about a transaction. Keep in mind that stemmed from Q4 of 06 to Q3 of 07. And that fund was closed. Mm. I was incarcerated in 2012. You're literally talking almost six years after the fact. And up until that point, never charged, never arrested, never in handcuffs, never once, never once. So I got to the point, and this is where it's very hard for me to walk people through, and I, I do my best to answer your question, is this. Emotionally, I was drained. Sure. This, is, this is going on five years of my life, and, and life is still going on. I still have a family. I still have business. I still have life happening behind the scenes. Yeah. And every month, every two months, every three months, you're showing up to this court appearance, nauseous, and you leave with zero answers. No answers. This side argues, that side argues. The judge says, figure it out. Neither one of them figure it out. We postpone it for another 90 days. Unreal, right? You get to the point where I just, I, I, I say to my attorney, and I had this conversation with my wife, whatever is coming my way has to be less painful than this last five years. So my attorney and, and uh, opposing counsel got together and they said, you know, let's put it in front of the judge. The judge, her words, not mine, public record, she said, I'm going to make an example out of you. And I'm going to remand you to two years, Department of uh, Corrections. And Whoa. imagine that moment. Holy yep. cow. It's, you know, it's still hard to tell it to this day. You know, you walked in there. I walked in there with a fair sense of bravado and ego and confidence you know, I could look people in the face and say I did the right things. Sure, sure. You know, up until that point, I had taken care of my family and I was a good husband. And you kind of check the boxes in life of like, why did this happen to me? You know, like if I, locked, if I knocked over a liquor store and you caught me on camera, that's my bad. Mm. So I couldn't really pinpoint it. And I think that was probably the most frustrating part of it, you know, was you were talking about a time where dollars could have been and were returned, right? We're just talking about dollars. We're not talking about human life. We're not talking about values or, right? It was very confusing for me. So there it was, man, two years Department of Corrections. And, and as that story goes, I was completely unprepared for that. Um, my wife was completely unprepared for that. We didn't have this conversation. I had never been locked up until that moment. And those steel handcuffs go on your wrists. I'm emotionally going through this, trying mm -hmm. to imagine only that, because I can't, what you were going through in that moment, that clink, that feeling. Yeah. You never, ever, ever forget that feeling. You never forget the cold steel on your wrist. Yeah. Never forget the sound that they make as they try to find a fit. And you never forget that smell. Mm. There's a smell that comes from them. You never forget that. And it was interesting I, I, I kind of blacked out at that moment. Like this couldn't be happening. And what brought me to was that left handcuff was cutting my skin. It was so tight that it was cutting my skin in front of me that kind of brought me out of like, this is really happening. This is really here. 
your wife in the room at this point or no? Absolutely. My wife and my mom. Yeah. What was the, did you have any connections, eye contact, anything in that moment? Or was it just too personal yeah. a thing even for that? No, I looked across the courtroom, you know, put on a, put on a strong face, stiff upper lip, put on a strong face and said, I'll be okay. And I love you. And did you ha Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, no. And, and, you know, the, the two of them were just in tears, but go ahead. I can't imagine. So the, the judge, I'm going to yeah. make an example out of you. Yeah. Do you have any sense as to why environmentally, was there something going on in yeah. this space? Like, do you have any sense as to why you were the yeah. fall guy here? Yeah. So keep in mind, this was, this was post 08. Yeah. This was post great recession. This was anybody who was running a hedge fund was an evil villain. Got it. Um, this was Bernie Madoff. This was Alan Stanford. This was the big boys of the world. You know, this was the Martha Stewart, you know, this, when they hit Mark Cuban, like they went after everybody who was everybody who could financially help them in some capacity. And they could point the finger at and say, you hurt my retirement system. You hurt my pension account. Um, and, and at the time I was young and had a lot of money under management, a lot at a lot in perspective, right? Because when you're in the moment, as you well know, um, and I had this conversation with a gentleman last week. It's like when you and I were, were growing up, we wanted six figures. Well, now you realize with a wife and children, six figures is just skating by, <laughs> right? Yeah. And, and so, so I say a lot of money relatively because when you come from a, a single mom who delivered pizzas to make life happen, you know, and now you're a young man who's got a new wife and you have millions of dollars under management. It's a lot of money. You've done very well you know, from a lot of perspectives. Um, and, and there's a lot of people who don't really want you to do very well. The judge included, it sounds like. So I'm putting myself here. You, you arrived in the courthouse that day without any sense of the fact that you were about to, in that moment, be remanded and taken away and in a new life. So I'm just picturing like you come in with your wife, you drove together, yes. uh, had plans for the rest of that day or yeah. week or what's coming up. This, this cloud is hanging over you, but never expecting that the today is the first day of the next two years that you're in a different state, right? You didn't live in Arizona at this time, correct? Correct. You're in a different state and you're just been, you just been told you're a resident for the next two years in the worst possible <laughs> way. Right. I had a sabbatical, Jamie. I had a sabbatical. Yeah. I guess you could call it that. So, <laughs> all right. So you're taken away. Can you take me through, Yeah. you know, what's next? Like what kind of prison, what was the first day like? And then maybe just give me the experience of prison. Then we'll lead that into the, the epiphanies you had, the lessons you had, but just give me, can you, can you describe this experience for me to the, if you're willing to the best of your totally. ability? Yeah. Yeah. I'll get as colorful as you desire. So the moment that you're taken away and to your point, no, I didn't have any, any thoughts about this. I showed up with a suit on, I had my cell phone in my, you know, jacket pocket. Um, yeah. You know, I, I had parked on the curb, you know, paid for the meter, you know, just the things that you do because you're going to come back out and, you know, and in less than two hours. Yeah. So you put more quarters in and, 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 uh, and so I was walked out. And so what you don't know, what I didn't know is typically you have two rooms in the two, two doors in the courtroom. And one door is for, um, inmates or prisoners or people who are being remanded or sentenced. And the other door is for intake. So they take me out through this door and that's when my, my new identity started. They walk you through what do you have on you, you know, um, a breathalyzer test, a drug test, um, all of these things that weren't relevant to, to my particular situation. And then you are put through the most, the worst part about prison is jail. 
when you're going through the intake process, you're getting your fingerprints taken, you're getting uh, another breathalyzer test, another drug test, you're getting your blood taken uh, to see if you have any diseases or you know, communicable diseases or any problems or diabetes or medications, you're getting your photograph taken. Um, each step of the way, a little bit of your dignity is stripped from you. Starts with your personal belongings, goes to your hair. If you're like you and I, you know, we, we, it's there, right? Very little, very little is left, but we're okay. But it goes to your hair, then goes to your identity. You're given this, you know, yellow badge with a number, not a name. And each process, you're kind of stripped of your values and your identity. You end up in a concrete holding cell. It's uh, a 20 by 20 room and the three walls have concrete seats on them. There's no bathroom in there. There's no sink in there. There's nothing in there. It's just three. It's a holding cell. One door here that slides open. The only way that door slides open is, is two ways. One, it's, it's time for food and they bring food in in a sack, in a plastic sack and they get it out. And the second way is some crackhead in the corner goes into some fits um, and falls on the falls on the floor, bangs his head and, you know, goes into some sort of shock and they rush in the EMT and, and move you to another holding cell. This process takes place for about three days. Yeah, it is mind numbing. And the very first speck of gratitude or perspective that I got, there was only one other guy who showed up in a suit in my three days of going cell to cell to cell. And you have no communication with the outside world. You know, it's like the worst Vegas casino on the planet. There's not a room, there's not a light, there's not a window. And this other gentleman showed up in a suit and I thought, okay, birds of a feather. <laughs> sure. This is someone I can talk to. And his charge, he went to trial and he received eight years. And it was that very first moment where I could look back and go, wow, at least I didn't get that. I'm grateful for this two years. Your prison level, was it a, a max security? Like what do they, what do they, where do they send you? Very low to a, to a camp cupcake, if you will. <laughs> okay. So, um, it's a state prison, so it's definitely um, it's it's definitely ugly on any level. Yeah. So my prison level was a level three. It goes from one to four. Started out as a level three while they walked you through the process of um, you have to find out your education level when you go to prison. If you don't have a certain education level, then they send you to another yard because there's dollars in education if they can get you your GED, if the prison can get you the GED. Um, your, your crime, is it violent? Is it first time? Is it a repeat offense? So it's kind of all these classifications. Once they classify you, I was moved to a level two yard, which was a very simple yard. Um, it was actually a former, uh, motel six that was converted. And so that yard each day, I had the opportunity because of my degree, because of my background in finance, I was able to leave the yard if you can imagine this, and went and taught at the community college. Interesting. Are you known to be an inmate when you're teaching at the community college? I am, I am head to toe 
in Arizona Department of Corrections. Oh, no kidding. You're not even changing. You're 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 in prison garb. So that college supported the five units or the five prisons that were around that community college. And and so I because of my MBA went and, and was able to teach a business course. And a lot of it was was sponsored by local organizations, local business organizations, or you know, better business bureaus or Catholic churches, you know, kind of a very volunteer type organization. But all of the yards met at that college. And so each day I went and I taught. And so as I started teaching them, it was just, I wasn't really teaching. I was just talking about life. I realized that a lot of their problems were the same. A lot of their issues were the same. And I would say this all the time, you know, Johnny, for example, if you look at his paper on paper, he's stolen five or six vehicles. He's a car thief right? His, his license has been suspended. It's been revoked. You know, he's got all these fines and fees because he's a car thief, but Johnny is not a car enthusiast. That's not why he stole these vehicles. Johnny's a drug addict. And so oftentimes you're not really, they're not treating the disease or the root cause of why the individual got there. And, and so each day I would just talk about life just talk about th- certain things. And most everybody wanted to talk about money. Interesting. I'm guessing this is where accomplished ventures and some of these ideas started to unhatch. It's yeah. funny, you, you essentially became an influencer, a brand yeah. within the prison system. 100%, Jamie, it was, it was, it was an out of body experience. I'll paint, you this, I'll paint you this picture so vividly, okay? The college is closed for Christmas break. Hmm. So they say to me, hey, we want you to go to the elementary school. The elementary school in mm-hmm. town. I go, okay. So myself and five other guys go to the elementary school. I'm serving pizzas and chocolate milk to kindergartners. It is the most out-of-body experience because I'm not good enough to be in society per the judge's orders paying my normal share of taxes and right building schools and parks and being a good contributing human. But I'm okay to be in this school working for this institution. And so that's the first perspective. Here's a second perspective. You know, nowadays I have four little ones. Could you imagine and, and think about this for real, for everybody that's listening, we've all done this. We've all brought our children like a, you know, donuts at school or, you know, their, their lunch at school for their birthday or something special, right? Could you imagine walking into your kid's cafeteria? You already know where I'm going. And you see me and five of my buddies there <laughs> head yeah. to toe in orange and you think it's normal. Yeah. So I started to go, okay, this is not, this is, this is not emotional, Travis. This is a business. The only way that this prison survives is in this little crappy town. The only way that these people want to work here is because where else in this crappy town do you make 52,000 a year with six weeks paid time off and 14 days holiday? Nowhere. Yeah. Where, right. And so you start to stack these like aha moments. And I'm like, this is a business, my man. This is just moving packages. This is not emotional. And that was kind of some of my aha moments there. Wow. On, the, on this uh, quick aside, you mentioned the kids. Did you have kids while you were in prison or were they all after? Um, Melissa and I, my wife and I had one baby right when I went in. 
And so he turned one when I was inside and then I got out when he was about 15 months. Do you, do you have, um, well, I should say, is your, I'm sorry. Everybody was after. Yeah. Your, your, your wife and stuff like, so you're gone. I'm I'm assuming you were the breadwinner in your family and all of this. Like how did your wife sustain life for that time? Good. Couple different ways. Um, we had a great have a great family system. Mm. We have a great support system with our family. Uh, my mom, her parents, she comes, you know, from, from four sisters, you know, big family. I have three sisters. We had a great support system in our family and also in our, our faith and our community in our church. Um, but I had a very good business acumen. And so I had invested up until that point and we had some decent passive income coming in. Mm. Um, wasn't enough to sustain our level of living prior to when I was there, but was enough for her to sustain with her and the little guy uh, while I was gone. I ended up doing 15 months mm-hmm. out of that two years. Yeah. Did you, so, did, was she able to visit often or no? I know. Every she- weekend, every oh, single no weekend. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just an unbelievable human she is. So she drove down the four and a half hours, five hours each way. Um, Saturdays and Sundays would stay the night on Saturday. We do the entire eight hour visit. She'd bring down our, our son. We'd play together. She'd stay the night. We'd repeat, you know, the next day on Sunday and she'd go back home. And she did that literally for, for over a year. Wow, man. Uh, it's an amazingly strong woman. Amazingly strong Unbelievable. person. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. That's wow. the, the best decision I ever made in my life was Melissa. Yeah. No doubt. No doubt. Let's flash forward. So you spend 15 months in prison. Um, were you, were just how far in advance did you know you were getting out early? Is that a, is that something that happens fairly quickly or is it like, you know, months in advance, you know, you're getting out early? So, um, good question. Yeah. So on my two years, Arizona has a rule of 80% of your Mm -hmm. sentence time, and then you can gain good time based on certain metrics. And for me, the good time was not negotiable. It, I wasn't going to screw up or, you know, turn, turn myself into a, you know, a, a gangbanger. (laughs) So um, it was not negotiable. And so I jumped through all of the hoops um, to get out early. And so we knew I was getting out early. Um, Of the two years, I would do 18 months on that 80%. And then that that difference of that 90 days was my programs. And that turned it from 18 to 15 months. What do you do when you're released from prison? What is I mean, this you're not I don't talk to many people that have this experience. So what what happens next? I mean, I know you've gotten we're going to talk about accomplished and, and uh, um, some other things that you're working on convicted life. But that all developed later, obviously, yeah. as you could be, like, much what, later. What do you do? Yeah, yeah the, the number one question I get is what do you do day one? Yeah, right. You know, like other than other than cry and, and hug your wife. Sure. <laughs> so, um, so I was I was in that holding cell getting ready to, to be, to, to leave. And a gentleman walked up to me and he had his debit card. So while you're inside and you're doing some work, they'll give you like a gate money. They call it 50 bucks, 75 bucks. And then if you've been there for a very long time and had a job, that money ends up on your debit card as well. Okay. So you could leave with, you know, four or 500 bucks, nothing essentially. Um, and so this gentleman walked up to me and he said, Hey, I've never had a debit card what is, what is this pin number that I'm supposed to create? And I was like, God, it was every step that I had made while incarcerated. It was like financial literacy just kept punching me in the throat. It's stuff that you and I take for granted. I mean, I have a 10 year old boy, he knows how to set up a pin number. And so you're looking at a, you know, a grown man, 50 plus years old, who's been incarcerated two thirds of his life, who doesn't know the basics. 
And so I walked him through how to set up a pin number. And that was my last conversation before I walked out. So Melissa picked me up um, and my mom was watching our little guy. And so we went to, we went to a hotel for the weekend just to, to adapt back to society. There's so much that comes at you, um, as you well know, you know, everything is on the palm of your hand in that device. And when you're incarcerated, it's a very slow, it's very methodical, it's very routine if you're doing your, your time the right way. And so every single visit, to answer your question, like, what do I do? Every visit that Melissa would have, I would reverse engineer what we were going to do day one, day two, day three, day four. I would sketch, I would scheme, I would plan, I would make phone calls. Um, it, it literally was a time for me to prepare for life 2.0. And I wanted to hit the ground running. There were some individuals that I had invested with. Um, and when I went away, they stopped paying Melissa. Unfortunate for them, they thought I was going to be gone forever, apparently. Yeah. So, you know, there was a lot of there was a lot of stuff for us to do to clean up, to understand where's this business at, where's that investment at? Where did these dollars go? And so day one, um, weekend one was, you know, us just getting reacquainted to one another and to life. And then on my, on my, you'll love this story, part of my 90 days early release, I sat down with the, the parole officer and he looks at me and he's like, I don't even know why you did any of this time. I don't even know what to do with you. And he said, so I, 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 I'm going to just have you go to this class. And if you want to participate, participate. I just need you to sign that damn sheet every time so I can tell them that you've been there for 90 days. And I'm like, done. Like to be able to spend time with my family, like I'll stand on my head for six hours a day. Like, what do you got? So what's going on, everybody? It's Jamie. I'm jumping in real quick here because some people are listening to this podcast thinking, man, I hear this guest. I hear what they're talking about. This whole GoBundance thing sounds pretty cool. I'd love to be a part of that. And I would say to you, if you are qualified to be part of GoBundance, you're a millionaire or accredited at the very least, jump on to GoBundance.com and just put your application in. You'll get on a call. It might even be with me where we can talk about what you're trying to do, what you're trying to accomplish and what it is to be part of this community in depth. Would love to have a conversation with you about that. It's been just so life-changing for me. And for those of you out there that are saying, yeah, sounds great. I would if I were a millionaire or if I were accredited, but I'm not there yet. We've got that now. We've built a program and I run it. I love, love being a part of it. I left my job for it called Emerge and Ascend. Emerge is where you got to start. It's a 12-week intensive sprint goal-setting course. You're going to get curriculum every week. You're going to get live intervention every week. You're going to get connection with GoBundance members every week. You're going to get accountability from like-minded people every week. Jump into that, kill it, and we invite you to Ascend, which is essentially the GoBundance Mastermind without the million-dollar requirement. And we actually even add in coaching to help folks find their purpose, their mission, their values. It's intense. It's, it's everything all wrapped in one. So again, if you're a millionaire or you're at least accredited and you're wondering about this GoBundance thing and that should I, shouldn't I, just apply. Throw your name in. You lose nothing. All you do is put your name into an application form. You get on a phone call and then you decide. If you're not yet at that million dollar mark, look at Emerge. GoBundance.com slash Emerge. And what you can do as well is drop my name in there, Jamie, J-A-M-I-E, and we'll knock 200 bucks off the tuition for Emerge. Jump in there and we'll get you started on your journey toward being a whole life millionaire, toward getting to GoBundance, whatever you want. People in Emerge, people in Ascend, people in GoBundance all report back often 
the changes it's made in their lives financially, relationally, and everywhere else. So go to GoBundance.com, check all of that out, see wherever you are, dive into that particular area of GoBundance, and we'd love to see you inside of the tribe. Now, back to our show. I show up day one to this class. It's at the most broken down mobile home park you've ever seen in like Ahwatukee. You know, it's a two hour drive from where we were. And (laughs) there's probably 14 drug addicts in the room. (laughs) And me. Yeah. Where do you? And so the teacher who, who is, you know, like in charge, she says, here's your packet. Um, you know, your, your, your parole officer told me you were coming to help. And here's some stuff that I need you to read. I'm looking down, Jim, I'm looking through it and I'm like, guys, I've never done a drug a day in my life. I don't even know what you're feeling. I don't know what you're going through. I don't have a clue about your anxiety. I don't even know how to take a piss test. <laughs> like, yeah. Sure. I'm like, guys, this is, this is my true story. Like, and so of course they're like, no way, you know, everybody's not. And I'm like, no, 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 (laughs) for real. I'm, I'm, I'm not this person. And I said, but here's an interesting thing. My, my, my parole officer's given me this 90 days. You guys have given me this opportunity to talk to you for an hour. So let's just turn this into like a Q and a, like, what's your goals? What's your, and so here I am literally spending 90 minutes a week with these guys like, hey, let's get your crap together this week. What can we focus on for you? What's your routines? What's your habits? Have you ever tried a cold plunge? You meditate? <laughs> Dude, it was the Drug greatest. Dealers, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and literally the parole officer calls me up about six weeks into it and is like, everybody's in love with everything that you're talking about. And I said, Brent, it's because it's real. It's because it's real. Like you go with Robin Williams, you treat the, you treat the disease, you win, you lose, you treat the human, you win. It's real. And so that, that was my 90 days of drug rehab. (laughs) Wow. So this is, I mean, you're, you're diving into now purpose, right? You're, you're starting to define and become, and you're living today fully on purpose. Fully. That's an incredible, that's, yeah, I, I love, I love, what I love about that is, is it just speaks to the, uh, you said treat the human, but no matter how hardened or, or a criminal or how bad uh, somebody has done in life or what they've done to other people or whatever, for the most part, I mean, probably 99% of human uh-huh. beings, there's probably a trauma that led them to where they are today, some level of trauma or some sustained trauma. And at the end of the day, they want the same things, right? We want to do well. We want to have a nice life. We want to, you know, achieve our goals. We love a nice house, somebody to love us, all that stuff. And you, you have, I guess you are the, you're the, the bridge. You've become the bridge with this experience, this unfortunate experience of going from probably never, ever able to relate to somebody that's yep. been incarcerated to now being able to see from the inside, the human dynamic of those that are incarcerated. So this is where purpose is formed. Is that fair? 1000%. So 1,000%. take Take me through how that forms what you're doing today and, and exactly what you're doing with Accomplish today. Yeah, yeah. So when I would sit down with these guys, you know, they all wanted to ask like a bunch of questions and I'm sure you get this in your life. Like, Jamie, are you doing NFTs and are you doing cryptos and are you flipping, right? It's all these crazy, like eccentric, wild forefront ideas. But you and I both know, like there's certain staples in life that work. There's certain things that just never go away. And, you know, depending on your age and your income, right? Different factors that here's where you invest money and here's how you grow. Here's how you get abundance. And so where I would start with these guys is I would say, look, the word felon is a noun. That's it. It's a noun, right? But 
when, when you've got a noun of, you know, hair, you, Jamie has dark hair, Travis has brown hair, you know, Melissa has blonde hair. That's a noun, right? But when we put an adjective in front of that noun, you can change the perspective on that noun. And so even though today you are a felon, the adjective that I want you to put in front of this is accomplished. Today, you're going to be accomplished. And so that's really where Accomplished Ventures was formed. I had the, the very, nine years ago, this was my very simple idea. Most individuals, when they come out, when they get released, they need to find a vehicle. And when they find that vehicle, they go to a buy here, bay here lot. They get 24% interest rate for some 1942 Saturn. And, you know, that's got a battery choker on it. And the moment they don't make the car payment, it cuts it off. And, and so then they end up doing things that they shouldn't be doing because of this car payment, because of their credit score. So I said, you know what, I can fix that credit score. I can help them understand that credit score. I can actually get them Equifax, Experian, TransUnion inside prison twice a year. And I can show them what that credit score can be. And I can show them how to change that credit score right? That was my simple thing. That was my simple fix. And if I could get them a FICO score that allowed them to get a vehicle, then I could help change their life. That was my simple fix. And what I realized going through that financial literacy course with all of them was so many of their financial resources was only based on the knowledge that they had. You don't know what you don't know. And so walking into a situation where they were scared to open up a bank account, they didn't have anybody in the banking industry. They forget about a Roth versus a traditional IRA. We're talking banking and savings 101. And so I thought, okay, if I can put my resources together and I can make sure that when these individuals get out, they have the right resources financially, I could probably change some lives. And that was really the long and the short of it. And so accomplished started as soon as I got out and has now morphed over the last nine years. I'll fast forward quickly. We have over 40 programs now inside over 125 institutions nationwide. Wow. We're the largest provider of prison content, publicly held, privately held, sorry, privately held, not publicly, you know, the institutions and the Catholic churches and, you know, those things. But <laughs> from a private perspective, we're the largest um, in the country. So, so prison systems are investing in this then? They are. Which is they good. Is that, has that always been the case? It has not. So, so I'll walk you through kind of the, what I think is, is, is the way that prison is, you know, should we pause so I can close that real quick? Sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We can, we can edit. Yeah, okay. You can start with, I'll walk you through. Go for it. Yeah. <laughs> a chance to take a sip of Starbucks while we're at it. So there you yeah. go. <laughs> all right sunny out in boise i like it like the just came through crazy <laughs> all right so our prison's investing yep yep so prisons are investing in technology and and here's what i believe um, you heard it here first on GoBundance, folks. In the next three to five years, I don't think that you will ever um, walk through a prison in America without a tablet. 
Okay, so right now they have uh, different prisons have different tablet systems. Think of it just like an Android based, you know, iPad, so to speak. And the reason I believe that's true is because with that tablet, I now don't have to move you to check on you. I now don't need a guard to walk down the hallway and look in the cell. I can dial you up in your cell and go, Travis, you good? Jamie, you good? Todd, you good? Tony, you good? I can have one guy at Central Tower watch everybody, you know, basically through like a, you know, a ring camera or a FaceTime or a Zoom, right? What does that mean? It means dollars. It means they're going to save a boatload of money. Then let's talk about the education component. In 2023, first time ever, you're going to have the Pell Grant available to felons. And yeah, first time ever in the history. So we've got some fun stuff going on with that. But for the first time ever, you'll have the Pell Grant available to felons. And now you'll have this device. So there shouldn't be an excuse for an individual who's got three, four, five, six, seven X amount of years to leave prison without an associates or a bachelor's or a master's or a doctorate or whatever they want, Mm -hmm. because now we've got Pell money and now we have tablets. Mm -hmm. So I believe technology, as we all know, will propel us forward in this world, but in the prison system, I don't think that you'll ever go to prison without a tablet in the next three to five years. It's gonna save them money. It's gonna lower rates of recidivism. It's gonna give them a ton of programming. And think about visits. Right now, what if my what if I'm in North Dakota and you know my my mom's in Iowa? She has to come and visit, but now I could do a FaceTime visit. So there's a I believe technology. I think you'll text me in a few years and go, son of a gun. <laughs> but <laughs> it's right, rolling yeah. out, it's rolling out pretty heavily. Um Today, we're on about 400,000 tablets, wow. which is just a small fraction. You know, you've got 5 million people that are incarcerated tonight. Sure. Sure. So it's a small fraction, but, you know, it's a, it's a game changer. It's a game changer. You're getting up to 10%. And that's really, you're talking about rehabilitation as opposed to incarceration, right? It's, it's less, yes, it's punitive, but it's while there, there's rehabilitation, especially for, you know, the majority of prisoners who don't have, who don't share your story, which was throw the book at this guy because he happens to be wrong place, wrong time. And, and, you know, the, the perfect avatar of who exactly we want to make an example out of. So that's true rehabilitation. I want to talk about what you're doing today, but before we get there, just a couple of things that I'm curious about. One is, and I think I'll know the answer to this, but I'm curious to hear you, your, your take on it. But do you, you lost time with your wife and your oldest, right? So I, I know you can never get that back. Do you, do you look back on that with regret? Does it, do you look back on that with, uh, with gratitude? Like what is prison and the fact that you went to prison? How does that show up today? from a, from a mindset perspective? Is it like that, man, like, are you holding on? Is there a victimization that you feel still, or yeah. is it more like, man, this is the best thing that ever happened to me or somewhere in between? Yeah. So it's definitely the latter. I, I think that the story of life as we see it um, through these devices is a trap. Hmm. The human mind tends to look for things that are the most painful. And then they remember those things. You know, when you're little, you don't cross the street, you could get hit. You don't touch the, the, the stove because it's hot. Those aren't pleasant experiences. So the brain is wired that way to remember those things. So I believe that you really have to stand guard at the entrance of your mind and understand that those experiences that you go through are happening for you instead of to you. So many of us think that, you know, we've got this problem, that problem, the other problem. I think, and I say this all the time when I go in the prison system, the biggest problem that most of us have is believing that we shouldn't have one. 
every one of us is experiencing some sort of stress in our life, some sort of trauma in our life. But when I look at our lives, I believe that we were placed here on earth to make mistakes. When you look at your life and my life through the lens of like a Netflix show, you've got ups, you've got downs, you've got climax, you've got, you know, romance, you've got music. If it didn't have all of those elements, it wouldn't be worth watching. And so when you sit around the table, you know, with your friends, the water cooler with my friends, the stories about when we crushed it, those are the stories that we have about the hard times. The stories that you tell around the campfire are the ones that have the drama and the suspense and the climax and the evil characters, not the ones that were simple. And so I think my experience really, really, really gave me the perspective that I can turn my mess into a message. You hear it all the time. And when I talk to, to, to kids, you know, like at elementary or junior high or high schools, I often tell them, you hear it, you know, uh, lions can't change and zebras can't change. You know, you have some sort of analogy with spots and stripes and an animal. The good news is none of us are jungle animals, right? Like, yeah, yeah. you are here as a human to experience yeah. change. You're here as a human to subscribe to all of these things and they're supposed to make you better. So my time, my 17,520 hours I spent inside, I can tell you, has benefited many other lives, has helped many other families, and has given many other people purpose. And that's why my time incarcerated was meant for me. We talked before this about a, a mutual acquaintance named Andre Norman, who spent time in prison. What you just described, we're, we're here to, to change. I learned of Andre Norman through a book written by my favorite author, a friend as well, Dr. Benjamin Hardy, wrote, uh, wrote uh, Personality Isn't Permanent. And yeah. he features Andre Norman in that story. The, the quick and dirty on Andre was a uh, hundred year conviction, like bad dude, as far as like the rap sheet, right? Yeah. Like, you know, tried to kill seven people while in prison and then became a Harvard MBA, Harvard uh, uh, graduate and fellow, <laughs> helped solve the, the riots in, in Ferguson. I mean, just just an unbelievable switch of the fact that personality isn't permanent. So what you just said really resonates with me. That's incredible. It, it really is. It's just super simple for me. I, I, yeah. I want to make sure that, and, and what I have found is controlling the narrative. If, in order to get what you really want in life, you must first be who you really are. Mm. That's what I truly believe. And, and to me, when I look back on my time in the financial world, or even back when I was younger, you know, taking care of my mom, taking care of my sisters, you know, then going into the financial world and helping solve problems, like, what are you really doing? At that point, I'm really a conduit to solve problems. And so that's what I'm doing now. That's what I'm doing now. And so with Accomplished Ventures, we go in the prison system on a weekly basis around the country, and we teach real world programs, entrepreneurship, business 101, financial literacy, credit repair, real stuff that gives these guys and gals a tangible blueprint to walk out with a life that will actually benefit them. It sounds like prison in some ways, uh, I don't know, forced you into finding your authentic self. Something that a lot of us, uh, yeah, something that a lot of us struggle with as we go into our 30s and 40s and, and, and later for that matter. Is there anything you could suggest? I'm curious, and maybe we can talk about convicted life as part of this, but um, uh, convicted life being what something you're working on, not being convicted for life. It's a great, great twist on, great yeah, twist on it's a great pun. <laughs> we'll drop it in there. Well, we could talk about the convicted life program that, you, that, you're, that you're running now. 
But, you know, absent going to prison and having all of your rights stripped away and no access to a cell phone and having that routine and all of that just to think and, you know, being hastened into your authentic self. How can somebody do that Mm. without going the route that you went? If they're sitting here listening at 30 or 35, feeling that like there's something, something. So like I just don't feel like I like what I do. I I guess everyone's telling me I'm successful but I can't figure out why I don't feel the same joy for what I'm doing as what everybody around me tells me I should be feeling. How do they do that? Or do you have any tips or ideas, or maybe it's something you're working on with convicted life on how to get there without the pain that you experienced of, of, yeah. of being incarcerated for 15 months? Man, you, you have nailed it. I can't tell you, right? It's Brene Brown says it best. We're the most obese, medicated, in-debt society on the planet, but yet we have access to all this how-to knowledge. If how-to worked, we wouldn't be in this situation, but man, you are so right. I talk to people every single day in prison and who are in the greatest headspace, who understand their purpose or their passion or their why. And so for me, I'm not really a motivation guy. I'm a belief guy. I believe that everything that you need to be great is already inside of you. And all the ambitions, the secrets, your, your, your darkest dreams, they're just waiting for you to let go. Most of the time, we, we operate from a sense of fear. We operate from a sense of failure. And I want to get people to the point where they're able to close out all the noise, shut down the negativity, drown out the fear, the distracting, limiting beliefs, and give them the, the, the skill set and the know-how to achieve whatever they want to. So how do we do that? First and foremost, you understand that failure is part of the recipe to success, not the avoidance of it. You make a cake, you sugar and flour and butter, you want to go success, you have to have failure. We oftentimes try to, try to especially the guys that you're talking about that are successful, and you go, why would I give up good you know, for great? Or why would I put this level of pain in my life? For, for... But it's imperative to understand that regret sucks way worse than any failure, right? The old Gary Vaynerchuk, greatest five words of his his existence, you are going to die. And that's where I really force people to, is to go, okay, so with convicted life, to your point, it is a mental, physical, spiritual, and a financial program where we walk individuals through what is really fueling them. Most of us deal with some sort of trauma from a mental perspective, you know, broken home, divorced, kids not going the way we thought they were going to, career not going, some sort of mental trauma that keeps us frozen in time. And so we like to unpack that with the guys. Most situations I've either been through or have witnessed firsthand incarcerated from guys that I deal with inside. A lot of trauma inside the prison, as you could imagine. You know, when you're talking to a guy who's taken other people's lives and will never see the light of day, that individual's perspective can be incredibly powerful because he's operating from a space that will never go away, right? You and I can go, we can go make decisions today. We make decisions at the fridge, at the gym, at the, right? This individual will never make decisions ever again for that purpose. So you take that perspective and you go, okay, let's fix the mental first and foremost. Let's then get you into the physical. And I'm not talking, we're going to run Ironmans and triathlons. I'm talking about habits and routines. You know, when do you wake up? How easy is it for you to go to bed? What are you doing to put yourself in a peak physical perspective and state? You know, and oftentimes 
it requires you removing some of the stuff that is on your handheld device. Um, you know, sometimes it's an addiction to social media. Sometimes it's removing the pornography that's taking you away from where you need to be. There's some, some definite mental changes that need to happen. Once those two are in alignment, I talk about it from a spiritual perspective, not a religious perspective. I don't think you need to go to four walls in a church to be spiritual. I think spiritual to me is a, is a purpose. What, what am I doing here so that I can help myself and help others? When your mind is right and your body is right and, and you've figured out your purpose, they all just work together in abundance to bring you financial opportunity. Those are the programs that we take people through with Convicted Life. It is a pun, right? Obviously, you're based sure, on the sure. conflict, but you make a change. If you want to learn a language, if you want to save money, if you want to have a better relationship with a spouse, you must be convicted to make those changes. I love it, man. Incredible. And, and uh, there's so much wisdom and so much, so many takeaways, so many parallels that uh, many of us can make to what, you, what you've gone through in your life. And I mean, just opening up and sharing the way you do and the, the fact that you found this purpose through what many would consider to be, and every, anybody would consider to be some of the worst possible circumstances I can imagine going through, especially upbringing, you know, kind of a regular guy, right? Never, never really on the path toward prison life, but you've taken that and been, become uh, uh, just a huge advocate for what I believe is, it sounds like the rehabilitation process in prison, which is long overdue. So unbelievable. How can folks learn more about you, your programs, follow you? Where do you want to direct people? Yeah, if you have an, an individual, a loved one, a friend, a family member that is incarcerated and you feel like we could benefit them with our programs, that's accomplishedventures.org. And if you're an individual who's on this side of the fence and fortunate to be so um, and are looking for just a group and a community and a mentorship program to take you from where you are to where you know you need to be, that's convictedlife.com. And that's any, that's not former inmates. Nope. That's just, that's, that's, you're taking the learnings and the lessons, the things that you're bringing there to yeah. the people. I think you described it to me as like, you know, how they get from their, you know, through their nine to five and their five to nine, yeah. right? Like, you know, build that side yeah. of built toward purpose, right? It's the, it's the underdog movement, you know, an individual who's goes, I know to what you said earlier, you spoke exactly to it, to where you said, my goodness, I feel like I should have more purpose. Yeah. I feel like I'm built for more. I feel like I need more. I feel like there's something missing. We hear those like key phrases all day from people. Those are the people who this is built for. This is a toolbox where you can go in, pull a tool out of it, create a resource, build a life of your dreams. We'll drop all that in the show notes, man. So much appreciation for you and, and coming like on. And guys, brother. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This was incredible. We'll talk to you soon. And thanks again for, uh, for being here today. Thank you so much. Have an awesome day. You too. The wrong tribe confounds, the right tribe compounds. Get your free copy of the runaway bestseller Tribe of Millionaires, a $20 value at tribeofmillionaires.com free. Just pay the shipping. That's tribeofmillionaires.com. Thank you for tuning in to the GoBundance podcast. We hope to see you at a live event in the near future. If you're new to us, here's a quick explanation of our programs. Number one, Emerge, a web-based journey for millionaires to be. Number two, Ascend, an interactive mastermind, the next stage of our journey. Number three, GoBundance Elite, the original tribe of millionaires. Number four, GoBundance Champions, five million net worth and above. Number five, GoBundance Women, a tribe of amazing badass women. For detailed information on all five of these, simply find us at GoBundance.com. Until then, Grab life big.